Hey, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer today that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our three services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12 p.m. We're located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. Well, good morning, everybody. We're so glad to see you today. We're so glad that you are here. This has been an exciting week around SEC already. This week, we had Vacation Bible School, and uh, it was amazing. Matter of fact, if you volunteered in any capacity at Vacation Bible School, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. We want to say thank you. Let's give these people a hand. Awesome. I actually thought you would probably be home recovering today uh, because it was awesome. We had over 100 volunteers over 150 kids. It was a fantastic week. So we're glad that you are here this morning. Well, we're in a series that we started uh, at the beginning of summer called You Asked For It. And uh, what we've tried to do is at Easter, we asked the question, okay, what questions do you have? And, uh, and you gave us many. So out of the 1,300 people that uh, were on Easter Sunday, we took those, combined them, and to come up with a couple categories. And the topic that we're going to talk about today was the second question. It was the second most popular question asked. And so that, that topic today we're going to talk about is what does God say about sex and sexuality? And so we're going to have that talk today and uh, probably embarrass you a little bit. So uh, uh, it'll be all right, okay? So just loosen up and uh, it's going to be good. Uh, yeah, we're talking about sex. Okay, never mind. All right. So I want to tell you, first of all, let me just start by saying this. There are three ways that you're going to get your view about sex and sexuality, and that is one of three ways. And the first one is going to be what I would call the external view. The external view is what the world says. It's what, uh, you know, like what you see on movies, what you see uh, Hollywood says, what you would see on the Internet. Those things are what we call external view, and that is defines our culture, what culture says. Then there is what was called the internal view. The internal view is what maybe you base... Uh, on your, how you feel or maybe something that's happened in your life or whatever that you begin to base uh, your opinion on. And then there is what I would call the eternal view. And that is the truth about, God, about what God says that are the eternal truths from His Word that teach us about this great gift. And, it, and let me just say, sex is a gift from God. It is a gift from God. And so, matter of fact, when, uh, you know, when God created man, he gave him the gift of sex. And so today, is, uh, we look at this present that I have right here on stage with me today. Uh, you can see that it's a gift. I, someone gave me a gift. Would you like to know what's in my gift? Would you like to know that? Okay, sure, I'll show you. Here I have a chainsaw. Wow, what a great gift, right? The reason that I have this chainsaw, because I would like to tell you that you know, a chainsaw is something that you would not just hand to a 10 or 11-year-old and say, go uh, cut me a tree, right? You wouldn't do that because they may get harmed, right? And so the chainsaw is here to represent that, you know, we have to handle the gift uh, gently and we, have to, we can't handle it, we can't have it before we're too young, the information comes to us too young, or we'll have danger in our homes, right? 
I mean that we have to be careful about sex. I just scared half of you guys to death, didn't I? And that's the, that's the way sex should be. It should be treated with care, right? And it had to be taught how to use. You would never hand someone that, that doesn't know anything about a chainsaw, a chainsaw, and go use it, no matter how old they are. We have to have the instructions how to. And so today we have to talk about sex that way, is that it's like this chainsaw here. It's a great tool, but if it's not used the proper way, it can bring damage to your life. And so we want to talk about, I don't care how old you are, if you don't do it the right way, it can bring damage to your life. So let's just jump right in and find out what God says about sex. Here we go. Number one is this. Write this down. Sex is for a man and a woman who have made a, here we go, commitment of marriage to each other. A commitment of marriage to each other. Did you write that down? A commitment of marriage to each other. God says, I created it. I thought it up, it was part of my idea, and it is exclusively made for people who are married and who are, who are married in the context of marriage. Let me just say this. If you, sex outside the context of marriage, no matter how glamorous Hollywood makes it look, God says that you are, if you're participating in that, you are willfully disobeying God. And let me just say, any time that you choose to willfully disobey God, what you're saying is, okay, God, I'm God. You're not God anymore, I'm God. And so I just want to tell you that, that today uh, we have to understand that when we willfully step outside of God's will, we're saying, I'm God. And so especially in this area, our culture has told, our, told all of us that it's okay, everything's okay. And God's not okay with, with everything He says. Look what Hebrews 13 and 4 says. Would you shout out those first two words with me? Ready? One, two, three. Honor, honor marriage, honor marriage. I mean, like almost salute it, you know. Honor marriage, he says, and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. God draws a what? Firm line. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. God says there's a line in the sand with that. And so you say, Pastor Jeff, why? Why would God do that? Why would he say, wait till you get married? I'll tell you why. Because marriage, when you have sexual intercourse with a person, it is a permanent bond. It's a permanent bond. I would say like this uh, piece of paper that I have right here. You see how that this, this orange, or pink and this blue is on the other side. I, I, right now I have them together. They're together. They've made a permanent bond, and that's exactly what happens with sexual relationships. When you come, it's a permanent bond together. Now, look, as we get into the Bible, God created Adam and Eve, and God performs the very first wedding ceremony. And look what he says. He says this. He says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall what? Cleave. 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 What does that mean? That means to cling to, to hold on, never let go. He should cling or cleave to his wife, and they shall become what flesh? One, it's, see that? It's sexual intimacy. The only time that a couple ever become one flesh is when they're actually in the act uh, of... of um, wow, I've got myself in a corner here. You got it. Okay, there we go. All right, so anyway, that's when a couple... Because God created our bodies that way, right? That when we're in the most intimate moment in our lives, that we're facing each other and our bodies come together. That's the way God made it to be. 
Now, can you imagine being Adam, okay? I, I, I guess uh, I think I read the Bible a little differently, but as I'm talking about, you know, thinking about Adam, Adam, God has created all these animals, and they all got, you know, uh, partners. He created two of them so they could multiply. And Adam is watching all those animals, and he just doesn't seem to be, you know, a, 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 a cow doesn't thrill him at all. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's nothing there that says, hey, I should be with you. Nothing. And then all of a sudden, God puts Adam to sleep, and Adam, you know, takes, God takes a rib out of Adam's side, and Adam wakes up with a pain in his side. And it, oh, no, oh, dang. I said it. I'm sorry. I did not mean it that way. I'm sure that will be used against me. And so as Adam wakes up, you know, he's like, oh, my goodness, what in the world's happened to me? But he forgets the pain really quickly because out from the bushes comes this lady. She steps out, and as she steps out, she is naked. Now, there's a difference between being naked and naked, right? When you're naked, that means you have no clothes on and you're up to something. Eve steps out and goes, whoa, 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 and Adam goes, uh, Adam goes, wow, 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 forget the cows, I don't know, this is not going good, is it, and he goes, wow, and right there, as God brings Eve to Adam, God does a ceremony, and God does a first wedding, he, 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 they unite together, and there the two become one. That's where Adam said, you'll be flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. The marriage is consummated. And there it begins the human race. God, it was God's idea. It was God that created it. And so, it, and so what I want to tell you, that the reason I say that is because it was meant to be a permanent bond that Eve was to be with Adam forever, this permanent bond. Now what, the reason I tell you this is because when you step outside of marriage and you step outside of that relationship, and you have sexual intercourse with someone else, guess what? It can leave a permanent scar. The permanent bond, the permanent bond was meant to be forever, but also it can leave a permanent scar. Just like these two pieces of construction paper that I have right here. You know what? Is that it's meant to be together, but if I try to pull them apart, look what happens. You see that it's stuck together. Is that it, it's all together. It never fully comes apart. And so these are the scars that we live with the rest of our lives because of this issue that we've done. And, and you know, and, and so all of, many of us in this room have experienced this. And it's painful and it never goes away. So that's why God says it's between, been to, to be between a man and woman for the rest of their lives. That was His intention so that you don't have to live with the scars. And so I would say this to you. You know, guys, you should tell your wife that I am... I want you to know that I am 100% committed to you sexually. I want you to know that, that, you know, you should give your wife that confidence. Say, you know, I want you to know there will be no other for me. You're it. And then, ladies, you should tell your husband that I am 100% committed to you. And you should say that often to them. And let me just say this to you as well. Is that, you see, the more you talk about it to, to them, and the more you tell your friends, you know, like, listen... I'm committed to my wife, and, and you know what? I'm going to be faithful to her no matter what you guys do. I'm being faithful to my wife. The more you say it, the more deeper you drive the commitment. And I want to tell you, it's a great thing. To, it'd be a great thing in our culture to hear men and women that are married talk about that in public, right? Tell the younger generation. Hello, did you hear me? They don't know. I, I was mentoring the, the kid that I was mentoring, Jalen, who's now started his freshman year of college. 
He used to, we used to go out and we'd have lunch together. And, and uh, as we had lunch and I'd go to take him home, he'd say, Now, Pastor Jeff, you and Miss Gronda have been married how long? And so anyway, every, he keeps up with it now. So it's going to be 29 years here in about two weeks. He said, how do you, how do you have one woman that long? She in here. <laughs> hey, I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. So, so anyway, he said, you know, it's like, you know, we love each other. We just made a commitment to each other. We have difficult times like everybody else, but we made a commitment. And so I want to tell you, make the commitment public. Okay, number two, you ready to write this down? Number two, run from and avoid, would you write that down? Avoid sexual immorality. Run from and avoid it, the Bible says. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 6 says this. It is what? What's those next two words? Okay, how many of you want to know what God's will is for your life? Let me see your hand. You want to know? You really want to know? All right, here it is, right here. Here it is. I can tell you what it is. Here it is, avoid, uh, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. What does that mean? Sanctification means simply being set apart. I'm not like everybody else in the world. I'm set apart by God. You are, if you're a child of God, you've been set apart. And so he goes on, you should be sanctified that you should avoid sexual immorality. It's God's will for your life that you should avoid it. That each of you should learn to control his or her own body in a way that is holy and what? Honorable. To who? To God. Honorable. Not in passionate lust. Like who? The heathen. What is the heathen? He goes on to say, who do not know God. So anytime that we're acting out sexually and outside of the marital contest, we're being heathens. And we, we act like God doesn't exist. In other words, you know, God is he's not real is what we're saying because we don't believe him. So anytime you're acting out like that sexually, you're saying there is no God, basically. I'm God. And so we have to understand, he goes on to say this, the Lord will punish men for all such sin. We have already told you and warned you, Paul says. If you want to know what God's will for your life, it is here to be sexually pure. And notice he said, run from it and avoid it. The word avoid, the reason I had you write that one down is because that's what you have to do in our culture, right? Now, don't you sit there and act so innocent, right? I mean, in our culture today, it's coming at you, baby. I mean, sexual temptation is everywhere, right? I mean, it's all over the place. And so, it, it's just like it's coming at you, so you have to run and avoid it, or it will get you, all of us. We have to understand that. You see, remember, God invented sex. It was God's idea. Now, how many of you know that uh, there is nothing that can quench your thirst like water? You know that? I mean, like, when you've been hot and thirsty, like, I ran the uh, Peachtree Road Race uh, uh, July 4th. What an idiot I am. But anyways, I did that, crossed the finish line, made it under an hour. I was proud of myself, but it was so hot. And, man, I couldn't wait to get a drink of water. You know, I was like, oh, I'm so thirsty. Water is good. It's God's gift to us. But too much of the water in the wrong context, and you're going to drown. And so we have to learn to use God's gift the right way. We have to think about it like this chainsaw, that, that this is something that I have to take precautions with or I'm going to get hurt or hurt somebody else. Okay. We have to remember that. Look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. Do you not realize that those who do wrong will not inherit God's kingdom? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sins 
or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these people, or none of these will inherit God's kingdom, the kingdom of God. And so he's going through the whole list. What is he doing? He's summarizing the Old Testament. He just said about 80% in that short time of what the Old Testament is. So many people say, well, that was in the Old Testament. No, 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 no. This, the sexual issue is from Genesis to Revelation. I mean, you read Revelation, again, he said, the sexually immoral will not inherit God's kingdom. It's all through the Bible. And so we have to understand that in, the, in our culture today. I mean, culture is promoting all of this stuff, right? And let me, let me just say this to you because I know this is a hot topic in our culture. But the, the issue of homosexuality, you know, our culture speaks a lot about that and tries to put it in a positive light, but God doesn't because it harms people. And let me just say this to you. I realize in a crowd this size, all of those things that I just listed, you know what, the adultery, you know, uh, we go through uh, committing adultery, uh, sexual sins, uh, worshiping things you shouldn't, thieving and all that, greedy. In this room, I know that every one of these sins that I mentioned here are, are represented. That people in this room, we struggle with these things. And there's a difference between a struggle and living in sin, Right? Listen, there's going to be things that, that happened to you when you were a child that you were exposed to when you were a child that you may struggle with the rest of your life because maybe like somebody didn't treat you right and they gave you information that you weren't ready to handle when you were younger and, and you have those thoughts and things uh, often. But a struggle is different than living in a sin. What I mean, what means, what that means is that means that I'm tempted with these areas, but that doesn't, and I maybe at times I even give in to them, and but I hate it when I do, and I don't want to do that. I don't like myself when I do that, and I want to repent of it and ask God to forgive me to never do it again. Then a person who says, Well, this is just the way that I am. I was born a whoremonger. That means that I want to sleep with every woman in the world that I possibly can. I was just born that way. Are you kidding me? You know, so, so any, any of these that we say, I was just born, it's not true. Yes, we were born with these desires. Yes, our, our culture has put this around us. Yes, 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 yes. But it doesn't mean that we give in to them just because we're tempted with that. Amen? I want to tell you, just again, because we're talking about the cultural issue. I read a great book, and because, again, our culture has promoted homosexuality and almost made it glamorous. As a matter of fact, many of our kids today are struggle with that, not because they have desire, but because it looks so attractive on television. And so here's a book that I read. I would like to give, I would like to, every person write this book down. You ready? The author's name is Joe Dallas. Would you write that down? And I, I don't like the title, but this is the title. It's called, the title of it is uh, the, the Gay Gospel. The Gay Gospel. That title sounds offensive, but I, I read the book and it's not offensive at all. It's helping everybody to understand it. This guy, Joe Dallas, Live that lifestyle for years, years. He takes you through the inside of what it's like to live that lifestyle and doesn't do it in a demeaning way to anybody. And he talks about from how it all started, why, why it started, when it started, all the way through the process of what it's like now and how God wants to deliver you as God delivered him out of that because it's not God's will. And so he does a great job of talking about that. I would encourage everybody to have that book on their shelf so that maybe if you know someone that's struggling with it, that you could give them a tool to help them. Or maybe you're struggling with it. That's a tool to help you. And I know that there's people that struggle with that. I know that. And so today I want to make sure that you're clear that that's a resource that can help you. Now, 
The question that comes to me is sin, sin. Well, yes, sin is sin, but not all consequences of sin are the same. Look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6 and 18. Would you read that first word out loud with me? You ready? Come on, let's shout out. You ready? Flee. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of who? Okay, watch this. Watch. Look at me. Look at me just a second. Look at me. If you are a Christian, you've asked God to save you. God's Holy Spirit lives inside of you. We say, Jesus lives in my heart. Jesus is not going to live in a lifestyle continually saying, this is the way I am and live in that. He's not going to do that. And so I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is inside of you. So when you act out with your body in any manner, you're taking God with you into that situation. There is no, I'm going to leave Jesus over there. He's going with you. Okay? So understand that. He goes on to say, who is in you, whom you have received from God, you are not your own, you were bought with the price, therefore honor God with your body. God says there is a difference. Why? In this sin. Because again, we talked about the consequences that cost you. Remember this? See how this leaves you? It leaves you hurt. It leaves you with pain. It leaves you with scars. The scars become permanent again of your past. They're always there. Listen, I don't know how many hundreds of people I've talked to said, I wish I could go back and undo this. I wish I could roll the clock back and undo this because I live with it. You see, in our culture today, do you know that there are 300, 318 million people in America? Do you know that? But let me tell you this. 110 million have a sexually transmitted disease. One out of three, every person in America has a sexually transmitted disease. And now we got the Zika virus coming out, right? This is transfer, being transmitted sexually again. Here we go. One out of three people in America. Now, friend, that's an epidemic. Any other situation, we'd be screaming right now. We'd say, hey, we've got to do something. But our culture says free sex is still okay, and it's killing us. We spend $16 billion a year treating people for this. One out of three. And that's just not teenagers. So, man, we've got a problem in our culture. We have to talk about it. Listen, and, and as a church, we have to talk about it. We can't just hide. You know, I sent out that email this week and I knew that there was, I knew our crowd would not be packed out because people are scared of this topic. But we're dying, right? And we have to have the truth. We have to know the truth. And so I want to tell you today that it leaves scars. And that's what this is all about. It leaves spiritual scars. You feel like you walked out on God at times through that. It leaves, it leaves emotional scars. It leaves physical scars. And that's why God said, so I would like you to make a commitment with me on the back of your connection card. I'd like for everyone to take this card out. Look at the back of it. There's the next step. It says this in the middle. I will commit myself to live accordingly to God's standard for my sexuality. And that means no porn, men and ladies. You know, do you know that porn is cheating? God, you think God gets glory out of, out of us looking at porn? No, it cheapens our relationship. It leaves scars. It leaves mental scars, spiritual scars. And so we have to ask God to help us with this. It's not right. And what is, you know, porn is not just a website you go to. I mean, good grief, you know, you watch something on Netflix, it's M.A., you know, mature. Whoa, we made that mistake one time, about two minutes in, it's like, whoa, can't watch this anymore. 
I mean, it's not so, so rated R movies and stuff where you're going and watching people walking around naked, sleeping together. I mean, that's pornography. And so I just said, you've got to make a conscious decision. Remember, we're set apart. We're sanctified. We're not of the world. Okay, number three. You ready? This gets a little better here. Number three, talk about sex too. Are you ready? Letter A, talk about sex to God. You say, you really are freaky, Pastor. Talk to God about sex? Absolutely. He should be the number one person you talk to God about your sex life. Everything about it. Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, look what Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer. He said, and lead us not into what? Okay, that means sexual temptation. Okay, that means you have to admit, I have these temptations. We all in this room have temptations. So lead us not into temptation, but look what he says. He says, but deliver us, but deliver us from what? So would you hear what he's saying? He's saying, instead of running away from me when you're tempted, run to me. Instead of running away from me, run to me when you're tempted because you're going to be tempted. So don't, God says, I can help deliver you from that, but run to me, not away. And I would just say this right now. Listen, if you're sitting here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're open, there's no, one, there's no spiritual part to help you. And so I would challenge you today before you leave the service that in your program there's a prayer that, can, that will guide you in a prayer to pray that God would protect you and that God would keep you safe. It's a prayer to become a Christ follower, and that's what you need to be in order to live in this culture and have a family that, is, that, that knows better. To this. And there's no guarantees. Listen, you can teach your children. There's no guarantees, but you give them a better shot if you teach them. We'll talk about that just in a moment. Okay, you ready? Letter B, let's write this down. Letter B, talk to your spouse about sex. Oh, it's fixing to get fun in here. Paul says it this way. He said, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. I'm sure that if we weren't in here, every man's right now in his mind going, Amen, got that. Hallelujah. And the wife should fulfill her husband's uh, needs. Then she went, oh, no, what are you talking about, Pastor? I want to tell you that, here's what I want you, you have to talk to your spouse about this. You see, your spouse, they do not know what they do not know. See, we'll fight about this issue, we'll, we'll, we'll get mad at each other about this issue, but we will not talk about this issue. In marriages, you know, listen, in marriage, you know, the hardest thing to talk about is sex. I mean, we can talk about everything else, but when it comes to this issue, listen, ladies, your husband is scared to death to talk to you about this. He, like, freaks him out. He wants to, but he's scared, he's nervous, and, and guys, your wife is scared to talk to you about this issue. But here's the deal. Either you can talk about it and get on the same page with it, or you can secretly be bitter at the person because of what they're doing or not doing. Did you hear that? And you want to have, have intimacy. You, you want it to be like this great thing. Well, let me tell you something. When you're secretly mad at the person because they've offended you, you can never be intimate. And they know that too. So you're just going through the motion until you get it out. I can tell you, man, I've been married almost 29 years. I can tell you, having those conversations is tough. But guess what? It's the most rewarding. You have to get on the same page, even there. It's amazing how, you know, guys don't mind. They, they'll go out and talk to their friends about it. Ladies go out and talk to their, you know, they'll go out and talk to their girlfriends. You know, they'll say, oh, you know what? Well, my husband, you know, he, he don't leave me alone. He's always trying to have sex with me. 
Oh, he's a pervert or something, you know. And then the guys are going to hear this conversation. You know what? She's, she won't do nothing. She, she won't give me none. Is that real? I mean, it's the conversation that men have and women have. It's constant. But guess what? They're talking to the wrong people. Those people can't change what's going on in your house. And too many times, the, uh, we begin to talk to people that have different intentions. And guess what? They start sympathizing with us. And men, they'll say, well, you know what? If I was your wife, I'd be a little better than that. i treat my man better than that. And then all of a sudden, you've got someone that's have, having a conversation. And then it goes further and further until you're in the bed with them. And then you've got all this to deal with. Ladies, the same way. Well, if he's a little more respectful, then I'd give him a little more, whatever. You know, if he's more like, oh, well, you know, I'm respectful to my ladies. And he started talking all that crud. Somebody that's not your husband. Let me tell you something. Never mind. I can't say that here. All he is is lurking around, waiting to have a need met. And he's acting like he's your best friend, ladies. Oh, boy, I know how to treat a woman. Yeah, yeah, me and my girl, when I go out, and he starts telling you all this stuff that, that he's heard everything you said, and he's just saying what you want to hear in order to get in, to get, in, to get with you. And, and once he's in the bed with you, and he's got this going on, all oh, this is happening, and guess what? He's checking out, and you left with all this crud. Don't tell me. I know I'm right. I know I'm right. So you've got to talk about it. If there's things, if they, listen, if he's doing things that's bothering you and it's keeping you from wanting to, to be intimate with him, then you've got to tell him. And guys, you might not always like it, but you've got to hear it. And ladies, the same thing. You've got to hear it. You've got to talk about it. Because listen, when God brought Adam and Eve together and they become together and they had sexual intercourse together, God went, you go, Adam, you go, Adam, you go, Eve, you go, Eve. Yes! Woo! You know, it was like an act of worship. It was like, hallelujah. I know you don't want to think of it that way, but it is. And listen, when a man that is married, a man and a woman that come together in holy matrimony that are married, when you come together intimately, God's still there going, hallelujah, yeah, amen. You go, boy, you go, girl, yes. Because he created you with a gift that you enjoy the gift. Don't when you're kids, you give them a gift and they enjoy it, don't you go, yes. So it's like worship when it's all together. God's right in the middle of that going, yeah, buddy, row. So you just tell your spouse that. Hallelujah, let's go worship. No, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. But God's in the middle. And I, I'm not, listen, I know you think I, that might be a little crazy, but I'm telling you that's what God, the way God feels. So you got to talk. Talk to your children. That's the next one. Talk, to, talk about sex to your children. The Bible says this in Deuteronomy. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to who? Do you know this book from Genesis to Revelation is all, a lot, has a lot to say about sexual covenants and commitments and commands? Do you know in the Ten Commandments, you know there's two sexual commands in the Ten Commandments? Number one, do not commit adultery. And then the last one, Lord, don't covet your neighbor's wife. Don't lust after her. You see, it's two sexual commitments. Uh, commands right there in the Ten Commandments. It's all through the Bible. We must teach our children these things. You see, the why? Because we don't want our kids walking around like this, right? We don't want them walking around like that. Kids, see, kids are getting overloaded with information today about sex is not right. And here's the deal. They're getting overloaded with information from the world, but they're not getting the values from their parents. 
Did you hear that? Listen, when you got information and you don't have values, then you're, you're open prey. And what is that doing to our culture? I'll tell you what. You know what? 50% of 15-year-olds have confessed that 50% of them have had all sex. 15, 50% of 15-year-olds. And when you take that up to 19-year-olds, it goes up to 70%. We got a problem. We got a problem. Somewhere our culture has said, listen, the way you practice safe sex is you have oral sex, and that's not sex. Well, listen, if sex follows the word, it's sex. If oral sex, it's sex. Amen? You say, well, pastor, how am I supposed to teach my kids about this? I'll tell you how you're supposed to teach them about it. Tell them this, that if your bathing suit covers it up, then you shouldn't let anyone touch it. And there you go. That's a dad right there, baby. We have a problem. You see, here we, we've, we've, we've said, okay, here we go. <laughs> have at my kids, world. Come on, tell them all you want to. Tell them. And you know what? It's for us to say, no, when you use that, when you use that gift, this is what you got to do, and you got to protect yourself. Are you going to get hurt? Something's going to bad happen to you. You may, you're going to hurt yourself physically, spiritually, or emotionally, and you're going to deal with that the rest of your life. Please don't hurt yourself. We have to tell our kids. We have to talk to them about it. The world sure is. And so there's some resources on your outline there that you can read to help you talk to your kids about this. Letter D is this. Talk to your counselor or godly friend. James says, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The, prayer of a, of a, uh, the, prayer of, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Listen, you have to admit you've got struggles. Look at me. I'm going to be honest with you. Look at, look at your pastor. Do you know that I meet with a pastor once a month just to talk about these issues? To talk about what I'm watching on television? Talk about what comes across my computer screen. To talk about how things are with Rhonda and I. Do you know that I do that once a month? Why? Because I want to guard myself. Because, listen, I'm a human being like you. And I, I don't want to, listen, I don't want you to read it in the paper one day or hear someone stand up here and say, well, you know, Jeff, he fell, you know. He made a, a moral, a, had a moral failure. He was off with someone else. He did something he shouldn't do. I have to talk to somebody constantly, and I say, listen, ask me these questions. Ask me how my thought life's going. Ask me about this so that I can protect myself. And I would suggest that you find someone. And some of you got pains. Listen, we have on, the, on that information wall right out the back of the doors of the sanctuary, there's a list of counselors. I would say go find someone and talk to someone if you don't have a godly friend. That takes us to number three. Or number four, I'm sorry. Know that you can be free from your past sexual sins. Would you write that down? Know that you can be free from your past sexual sins. 1 Corinthians 6.11, Paul was talking about that list of sexual sins and idol worshipers and all that, thieves and being greedy people and drunkards and abusive and homosexuality and adultery. And then he follows it up with this verse. He says, some of you were once like that, but look, but you were what? You were cleansed, you were made what? Holy, and you were made right with God. Did you hear that? Look at me, look at me, everybody look at me. He was talking to you. He was talking to you and he's talking to me. 
What you did in your past that made you look like this right here to God, you thought this is the way God saw you all jacked up and messed up because of the past mistakes you made. I want you to know that he says, no, no, no. You were cleansed. You were made right with God. You were made holy. How? Well, you don't know about the cross of Jesus. When Jesus died on that cross for your sins, the Bible said that he shed his blood. And every time that a person says, Jesus, come into life and forgive me for my sins. When you say, forgive me for my sins, and you name it for what it is, he says his blood comes and covers that sin, and it washes it clean. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Old fountain is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so when God sees you now, if you said, God, forgive me, you know what he does? He doesn't see it anymore. You, you might think about it, but I don't tell you, God has taken and thrown that sin away. And when God looks at you, he doesn't ever remember it anymore. So don't you say, God, you remember what happened three weeks ago. If you confessed it, God doesn't remember it. Don't say, God, you remember what happened three years ago. If you confessed it, God doesn't remember it. And you don't say, God, remember what happened 30 years ago. If you confessed it, God doesn't remember. You've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and therefore you can stand with your shoulders back and be proud to know that God is for you. Amen. 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 Come on, stand with me. Hallelujah. You know what? I know this is better than you thought it was going to be. Watch this. You say, Pastor Jeff, what's the next step? I'll tell you what. That's what I love about baptism. Baptism, when you go down in that water, when you go down that water and that water comes over you and you come back out and that water just strips off of you and splashes off of you, it is symbolic of what Jesus' blood has done for you when you ask him to forgive you. That's why it's so important. If you have not been baptized, you need to be baptized. Maybe you need to be rebaptized. I'm telling you, sign on the back of your connection card that you want to be so that you can announce to the whole world, I've been washed by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Come on, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would touch our lives in a very special way. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will speak to us. And God, that you, will, you don't want to condemn us. You want to save us, oh God. And those right now that are in this room that are struggling, God, I know every one of us have a struggle. I pray, God, that you would give us the strength and the power to endure whatever temptation comes our way. God, that we may stand holy before you and we may walk out and tell a world that Jesus is alive, that they don't have to live in that condemnation. They can be free in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord together. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.